Hello, and welcome to the Capital Stewards Podcast. Did you know that the stock market actually does better under Democratic administrations? I, Despite all of my economic education and financial background, I didn't know that um, until I started preparing for this particular episode of the podcast. We are in an election year, and we're going to talk about all things elections and markets and the economy. I mean, hopefully today, after uh, this episode, you'll have some real data and some real perspective that you can use to answer a bunch of questions that are undoubtedly going to come up as you think about being an investor um, and then also uh, in conversation with your friends and, and other folks as uh, we move through the election year. We'll talk about whether the election is going to have an impact on the stock market or on interest rates. Do elections actually impact returns? Uh, does it matter who gets elected, whether it's Biden, Trump, or somebody else? After all, the news will suggest that the stock market does do better under Democrats. As a matter of fact, if you um, go and search right now, does the stock market do better under Democrats? You'll still find an article from CNN from a few years ago that says that the stock market does better under Democrats, and history proves it. So in this episode, we're going to talk about all things markets, the economy, what is really true about elections, what impact they actually have on markets and the economy, and equip you with, with real facts to be a better investor and a good citizen as we move through the election year. All right, so let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to the Capital Stewards Podcast. Are you a professional who wants straightforward, trustworthy financial strategies that you can act on? Are you entering your highest income earning years and discovering that your personal finances are becoming too complex? We get it. You're a highly competent professional, but you don't have time to go deep on your personal finances the way you do with your day job. Hi, I'm Brian. Helping professionals make smart financial decisions is my passion. I run a financial advisory practice called the Capital Stewards and work with professionals like you who are trying to cut through the noise every day. It's time to stop Googling every question you have about money and dive into some real professional guidance. So let's get moving. All right, so let's talk first about stock market returns within the presidential election year. So what's likely to happen in 2024, and how does the presidential election play into that? Does it matter if it's Joe Biden that wins, Donald Trump that wins, or if someone else wins. When we look at prior election years, there's only a few that really stand out as being significantly different than just average stock market returns. Reagan in 1980, the market was up 32%, but it was coming out of a recession after really significant declines a couple of years before. Bill Clinton, 1996, the stock market was up 23%, but that was the beginning of the tech bubble. Obama was down 37% in 2008. That wasn't because people didn't like Barack Obama, it was because we were in the middle of the financial crisis. So when you look at all, a lot of the other election years, you're pretty close to average long-term market returns. So significant differences in the average can generally be justified by economic data, not the election results. And that's a theme you're going to hear uh, throughout this conversation is that what's actually happening in the underlying economy tends to be much more important than whether there's a Democrat or a Republican in the office and whether it's an election year or not an election year. So we have a Democrat in office now. So let's look at some historical results for when we've had a Democrat in office and we go through presidential election years. So we go back to, to Hoover in 1928. When you have a Democrat in office and they elect a new Democrat, the total return for the year averaged 11%. When a Democrat was in office and a Republican was elected, the total return for the year averaged 12.9%. So you say, hmm, those things aren't really that different. 
So when we look at election results over time, the overarching thesis is that the election itself does not drive stock market returns. What you tend to see is the, the, what's happening in the larger economy is going to be the most important factor in driving stock market returns as we go through an election year. Does that mean that particular companies or sectors might have results particularly after the election based on what happens in the election and those policy proposals? Absolutely. Could you see you know, things happen in perhaps the oil, the oil and gas sector or in pharmaceuticals or you know, other parts of the economy, technology? You could see some things differ in the second half of the year based on policy. But overall, when we think about investing in the broader market, What's going to happen in the broader market is much, much more correlated to what's happening in the economy than the particular election results, whether they're Republicans or Democrats. So that kind of begs the question, does that mean that the election results don't matter? Uh, does it not matter who's actually in office? Or does it matter whether you have a Republican or a Democrat in, in the White House? So let's go back to that CNN article that we talked about at the top that says that the market does better under Democrats and history proves it. So you can definitely believe every headline that you read on the internet, right? It turns out that that article is based on research from the early 2000s and uh, again in 2017 that demonstrate that stock market returns have been significantly higher during Democratic administrations. And that is true data. The problem is drawing a conclusion from that data is short-sighted. Republicans were in office during the 1928 collapse that, that preceded the uh, Great Depression and then they were in office again during the 2008 financial crisis. Arguably, the, the cause of both of those were policies that were enacted by previous administrations. And the Democrats took over during the significant recoveries that immediately followed those, those collapses. So if you remove just those two examples from the data, the difference between the parties being in office and the stock market returns becomes statistically insignificant. Rob Arnott, a research affiliate, studied developed stock market returns around the world and concluded the difference between liberals and conservative parties across the world, not just in the United States, but in all developed markets, it's also statistically insignificant. So when we think about the stock market as a whole, regardless of whether there's a Republican administration or a Democratic administration, the party that's in office, just because they have a D or an R next to their name, does not mean that the market is going to outperform or underperform over a given period of time. Any conclusion that's made looking at that data is short-sighted. So does that mean that the election results don't impact markets or the economy? No, they absolutely do. The lag time is just longer, so it's more difficult to tie the results to a particular election or policy action. Uh, so for example, take the recent actions from the Biden administration. In, in 2021, the administration passed the uh, $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan, or the COVID-19 bill. That sent paychecks to many Americans, regardless of whether they lost their job during the pandemic or not. That created extreme levels of good across the economy, kept us from going into a longer-term recession. That stimulus was largely responsible for the really high inflation we saw in 2022, which we still see today. So there's at least a one, if not a two-year delay for impact of the economy from the time they passed the policy. The Biden administration's Build Back Better plan is another good example. Uh, the administration passed $2.2 trillion of funding in 2021 for infrastructure projects. And so far, at the end of 2023, so already two years in, only $400 billion of that's even been allocated to projects so far, much less actually spent and sort of uh, trickled through the economy. So it's going to continue to have an economic impact for the next decade if it remains intact. So policy does impact the economy, but it's hard to ascribe the impact 
because there's delays. And that means that the party in power may not be responsible for the impact by the time that you actually see it flow through into economic data and into, into stock market data. The tail end of an administration is actually probably the best gauge on their economic impact than anything that happens right around an election year. So as we think about moving into an election year, it might be helpful to lay out what really does matter from an economic standpoint so you can evaluate candidates and their proposals through that lens. Over decades of research, the best use of government is largely to stay out of the way of the economy. Lower taxes within reason are also better. Uh, taxes never make a business case for a new project better, by the way. It, it never helps a startup company to have higher taxes. New facilities don't look better. New hiring doesn't look better with higher taxes. It only makes it more difficult for businesses to grow. Period. End of story. It's just math. It's not politics. Higher taxes hurt the economy. Period. Further, those dollars tend to be poorly allocated and destroyed when they're invested by the government. You may remember a few years ago, the government invested a bunch in clean energy companies that went bankrupt. That's just one example over the years. That's happened on both sides of the aisle. So good economic policy is generally just to let the economy operate inside wide guardrails that prevent capitalism from reaching extremes too quickly. Some social safety net is a good thing, right? We don't want to not have food stamps at all and not have social security, those kinds of things. It's important that we have those programs to some extent. A limited government influence over mergers and acquisitions to prevent giant monopolies is also a good thing. It keeps the economy competitive. But all government interaction with the economy should be framed as how little can we do to ensure a functional society and nation and not how can we transform the economy to meet our political objectives. That's been tried by both sides of the aisle and it always fails. Republicans tend to steer defense money incorrectly. They even overspend sometimes, contrary to maybe what their campaign promises are. Democrats tend to steer safety net programs and infrastructure investments poorly. The economy, it's really, really large. I mean, it's hard, at least from my perspective, it's hard to see how a few hundred folks in Washington can have enough data and perspective to make good decisions at that level. So again, their job should be to set wide guardrails and let the mechanics of capitalism do its job which, dem which demonstrably, it's done really well over the last 300 years. The growth of the U.S. economy has increased the standard of living in the U.S. many, many, many times over, and that same thing is true around the world. On debt and deficits, uh, no one's hands are really clean, regardless of whether you look at the debt to GDP, the federal uh, deficit to GDP, or just the total level of U.S. government spending. It tends to go up, not down. Going back to the turn of the century, George W. Bush increased debt levels. Debt surged under Obama to fight the financial crisis, Donald Trump increased debt levels. Joe Biden is currently increasing the level of the national debt. So arguments then on sort of one party or the other being better on the debt should fall on deaf ears unless someone proposes a sort of a radical plan. I mean, everybody talks about reigning in spending, and then, of course, they don't do that hard work after they get elected because reducing federal spending in inevitably makes someone mad. So what is the appropriate stance on federal spending? The appropriate stance on federal spending is for the government to spend more money when the economy is weak and, re and in recessions to stave off crisis. So it actually isn't a terrible thing to do some stimulus during the great financial crisis and to do some more stimulus during COVID-19, as long as you do that within reason. But then, once those immediate crisis periods are over, the government should spend less and sort of pay back some of that spending from the crisis period. That's the best way for government spending to drive long-term sustainable economic growth. All right, so in this episode, we talked about markets and the fact that because this is just because this is an election year does not necessarily mean that the stock market's going to go up or go down or outperform or underperform. We really want to be focused more on what's happening in the underlying economy. We also 
talked about how it doesn't really matter if there's a Republican or a Democrat in office. Over time, returns tend to average out, and, and neither party has been particularly uh, bad or particularly good. It's, it's all about what the underlying policies of the administrations and the candidates are and whether those things are economically stimulative and sort of in, in line with sort of a laissez-faire approach, a hands-off approach to the economy, or whether they are trying to be overly prescriptive and, and destroy capital. So I hope this episode is helpful in giving you, giving you some perspective on uh, what's actually true about election years and markets, what actually adds value, what doesn't add value, and, and what the appropriate role is for the government to play in the economy. So uh, we got a lot of great content coming up. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll dive into taxes, obviously, as we get into uh, tax season here. I and mean, we'll talk about a lot of great things as we round out the first quarter. So look forward to talking to you again soon. Commentary provided is for general audiences and educational purposes only. It should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice for your specific situation. That's why you should talk to a professional. Hello. Past performance of market results is no assurance of future performance. All the information on the podcast has been obtained from sources we deem reliable as of the date of this recording, but it's not guaranteed.